What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. You got to encourage yourself in the Lord. Ain't that what David said? Encourage yourself in the Lord because sometimes it feels like nobody else is there going to encourage you. So you got to encourage yourself in the Lord. I want to encourage you this morning. This morning, God, we're going to be coming out of Matthew 23 if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Um, If you're tuning with us online this morning, thank you so much for joining with us online. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church right here in Jackson, Missouri. We thank you so much for joining with us online. What we want to do is invite you to join us live and in person next week at 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri. We meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights. I almost said Sunday nights. No, Wednesday nights. Sunday mornings at 10, Wednesdays at 7 with more services going to be needed in the near future, amen? So, because it's getting kind of tight in here, especially on Wednesday nights. So, you guys be praying with us as we increase with youth and children, and they're just, they just keep coming. That's not a bad problem. That's a good thing, right? Amen. So, pray with us on a facility, a larger facility, or we're going to have to go to more than one service, but that'll be all right. All right. So, this morning in Matthew chapter 23, I was here this morning, and a lot of my time here with God this morning was spent in the scriptures. Amen. Well, that's a good thing to have, right? you've ever got a pastor or preacher not coming from the scriptures, then we got a problem, right? Because the word of God is really all that matters. Amen? Amen. My word doesn't matter. Your word doesn't matter. Government's word doesn't matter. Leaders in the world's word doesn't matter. God's word matters. Because when God speaks, things happen. Let me help you out this morning. When God speaks, dead people get up and start walking. Amen? When God speaks, blinded eyes are opened. Amen. When God speaks, deaf ears are open and people can hear. Amen. So when God speaks, things happen. When God moves, he just goes ahead and takes a stroll on the water. Amen. Jesus coming to him in a storm appears to him before the water. But we're not going there today. Matthew 23, we are going to talk about some stuff this morning that does need addressed. We see a lot of this going on in now society, um, this modern society, this modern world we have going on. Even though at this point Jesus was talking to the religious leaders and the Pharisees at this point in the text. And I love Matthew. I love any chapters that are completely read almost. Amen. Because that means Jesus is doing all the talking. Okay, I'm the only one. See, here's what I love to do. I love to get one of them dramatic audio Bibles, right? And I love to go to the scriptures where Jesus is speaking. And even though I know it's an actor on audio, still, he's speaking to me. Amen? So when you hear Jesus speak, it matters. Look at your neighbor and say, when Jesus speaks, it matters. Now look at your other neighbor that you didn't like enough to say it the first time. Just kidding. And say, when Jesus speaks... Get ready. ready. Things are about to change. 
Woo, I love Jesus. Anybody here love Jesus this morning could testify? I'm sure I could pass this microphone and all of you could give me a testimony about how God has touched you. But I want to address just a few things this morning. I don't think I'm going to be before you very long this morning. God just wanted me to focus more on it in worship and prayer this morning, which is why we started with that. That doesn't mean if you need prayer at the end, you can't come and get prayer. Amen. We'll, we'll still be praying here at the end. Those of you that are familiar with this house, we pray as long as it takes. Sometimes that's one or two in the afternoon. But we will pray until people are finished being prayed for. Amen? Because I believe with a, if a church is not praying, a praying church is a living church. Okay? Some of y'all, some of y'all agree. A praying church sticks together. Amen? A praying church makes a difference. Then you got those other guys. Oh, come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Do you know that they did an actual study? And the average time spent in prayer on the average church's Sunday mornings in this society is like two minutes. Two minutes. And that's the offering prayer and anything in between. Amen. The dismissal prayer, pretty much. And the opening prayer, if they do that. Do you know that if we want to get closer to God, we've got to learn to spend some time with him. And sometimes that may mean you're in his presence for hours. Okay. Thank you, Lisa. Me and Lisa know all about that. Is anybody in here? Come on, if you haven't, you got to get to that point. Has any of you ever been in one of those moments where you decide you're going to set some time aside for God and you're going to pray and you're going to be in your word and you're going to sing and suddenly what started out as what you thought was a few minutes has been three hours and you look back and say, whoa, where did the day go? Okay, if you've never experienced that, we got to get you to that point. That's the next level, amen? Because that's when you know God is moving. And see, people online, and I know the world thinks it's crazy, but I actually listen for an answer. I don't just come to God with my grocery list, like I said a minute ago, and say, hey, God, I need this, this, and this. Thanks, God bless. I'm out. <laughs> come on, some of y'all do that every night. Say your prayers before bed. You got your now I lay me prayers, right? Now we teach that to the kids to teach them to pray. Nothing wrong with that, but we got to learn to go deeper at some point. You can't always just be like, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Love be with me through the night. Wake me with the morning light. Amen. And some of you start praying. Come on, y'all are guilty. You're looking at me this morning smiling. I know you know what I'm talking about. You, instead of standing around, see, this is why I walk when I pray, right? I, I can't lay in bed and pray. Because what happens is you start praying, and Lord God, you wake up a few hours later and you're like, oh, wait, oh, totally messed that up. Sorry, God. This is why you need to be in a position that's not necessarily comfortable all the time, right? So sometimes some people go to their knees. That doesn't feel good. You all spend some time on your knees. That doesn't feel good at all. But some people, we just like to walk in the presence of God. So amen, you get a double bonus. You get to burn calories and talk to God all at the same time. Amen? Woo, hallelujah. Y'all, I got a lot of smiles this morning. Y'all in a good mood this morning. Amen. It's been a good week. It's been a good week. Well, praise God. It ought to be a good week, even in the midst of a rough week. And I heard an evangelist talking about people that live by faith. We live by faith in the good times, and we live by faith in the bad times. Nothing that happens in culture or society makes us have to change living by faith. Because no matter what's going on in our life, we live by faith. Oh, man, that bill just showed up out of nowhere. Where did that come from? Well, praise God. Let's keep moving. Amen. Next thing you know, God paid it off for you. Y'all never had that happen? I have. Testimony. 
I'll just testify. God has paid some stuff, not just bills, though. Y'all ever notice that you have a need that no one else is going to provide? And then suddenly it shows up. See, God likes this thing. See, humans, we like to prepare sometimes. Some humans don't, right? Most, some of us like to prepare, especially as leaders. We like to have it, you know, everything ready and lined up. So when we're asking God for something that we know is due the next day, right, some sort of a miracle, whatever it is, and the deadline is approaching and you're praying, God's one of those kind of gods. He likes to wait till 11.59 and 59 seconds to show up and show out. So see, your mind told you you should be afraid. Your mind started worrying about whatever it was. And then suddenly in the 11th hour, that's why we call it the 11th hour, God will show up and show out. Do you know why I believe God shows up at 11.59 and 59 seconds before midnight? To make sure he's the only one that gets the credit. Because you're like, wow, God, I didn't see that coming. And see, what happens then when God has those moments with you is your faith increases. And as your faith increases, now you begin living like the mustard seed, right? This is the whole mustard seed analogy. This is what Jesus is getting at. You start with just a little bit of a seed, a little bit of faith. And God begins to show you through that little bit of faith what he can do. The next thing you know, it grows a little bit, grows a little bit more. Next thing you know, you got a tree big enough that even birds can lay in in their nest, right? The way I always view that is you've got a tree big enough of faith that people can now rest on your limbs, come on, as they're going through something. And why is that? That's why I believe we go through everything we go through. Teaches us a lesson, right? Anytime something bad comes through, it drives my wife nuts, right? I just praise God. Because what he's doing is adding to my testimony. Because now all of a sudden, later in life, I'm going to meet somebody who's going through the exact same thing I just went through. And when that person comes to me and it looks like it's impossible and it's not going to happen, I can say, yes, it will, because I've seen God do bigger. See, sometimes we want to take these little minute problems and turn them into something huge, right? Come on, y'all. You don't have to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Because everyone in here would should raise their hand if they're being honest. How many of y'all ever had a problem that you blew up? God wasn't worried about it. You were. And that's our, it's our human fleshly intent. It's like there's a, and I was, can I just be real? I was at some family's house the other night, and they had the news on. Can I tell you all I heard was fear-mongering, 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 fear-mongering. It was driving me nuts, right? I was ready to get up and walk out or do something. Just turn it off because I can't hear it. But see, while I was hearing the news, I was also listening to the spirits that were speaking that fear into these people's lives. And then we wonder why we don't have any hope. Some of y'all just need to turn the TV off. You don't need it. They're not talking about anything that concerns you. Come on. What, do we have a boil water order every now and then? They got signs for that. Wherever you live, you'll see the sign, right? If you're that scared, boil your water to begin with, right? All right, so there's nothing that they're talking about that you need to hear. And all I was hearing, and even in the commercials, that's what's crazy about it. And it was a local channel. I don't have to say any names. You all know exactly which one I'm talking about. Local channel right here. 
fear-mongering, got to the weather, fear-mongering, 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 fear-mongering. And I'm listening to this weather guy who's going nuts, right, talking, to, oh, man, there might be some severe storms that come through. And he's like trying to make people afraid. I looked at my wife, and you can ask her about this. I'm like, it ain't going to storm. I don't believe anything they say. And guess what? It didn't storm. At least where we were at. Not saying it didn't storm somewhere. But the people you were trying to make afraid had nothing to fear. Was it a great president? Was it Franklin Roosevelt that said we have nothing to fear but fear itself? Fear itself is what keeps us in fear. And the enemy knows if he can keep you in fear, you're not going anywhere. If he can keep you in fear, that doctor's report didn't read what you wanted it to read. So now all of a sudden you're afraid. Well, how about instead of being afraid, you should begin to praise God anyway. Amen? Because I'm kind of like got that spirit like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where they're sitting there before a flame getting ready to lose their life. And what did they tell the king? They said, you know what? Go ahead and throw us in. We will never bow to that ugly thing over there. Because God will and can deliver us. But what else did they say? And even if he doesn't, we're going to praise him anyway. That's my attitude towards life. Life throws you a curveball, praise him all the more. Amen. You need to be learning to praise God. That's why I was trying to, and some of you got it this morning. This morning, we got to learn how to enter an atmosphere of praise or we're not going to make it. You got to learn to do that in your own time, not just here. You got to learn to do that in your own time. When I have a prayer meeting with God, I bring three things myself, my Bible, and my guitar. Because I never know what I'm going to need. But I usually start out by playing this thing right here. Because I like to come and have prayer right here in the church. Amen. So I start with singing. I might go to a word. I might read an entire book out of the Bible. I don't know. Whatever God's speaking that day. And then I'm just spending time. How many of y'all know you need to learn to spend more time listening than talking? Anybody ever known someone that talks too much? How many of y'all been there? I'm raising my hand. I'm not just telling you to raise your hand. You talk too much. We say too much, right? We need to learn when to stop and just let it be. But see, it's the same with God. So how do you feel about those people? They ask you a question, and as you're starting to answer it, they'll interrupt you and start going on to something else. Y'all know the type of people I'm talking about. You've seen them, and, you're, and if you're in deal, you don't. Maybe you um, Maybe you're them. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. But if you know those type of people that come in, Ask a question. They interrupt you every time you try to answer. Or they'll pile on more questions. How does that make you feel? Good? No. It makes you feel like your voice isn't being heard, right? Guess what? It's the same with God. Uh-oh. See, that time I didn't get the smiles. It's the same with God. How's God going to speak to you if you're doing all the talking? See, you got to learn to sit and just listen sometimes. I might spend an hour just listening, just listening to the Spirit. Just listen. What is it you're speaking today, God? Because if we don't, we're going to miss it. Much like the Pharisees in our story today missed it. Check it out. Let's go to Matthew 23 so I can read some scripture and make you feel better this morning. Amen. Came to church. Let's read the word because we were just talking about how important it is, right? Matthew 23, we're going to start there in verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. 
Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move with them with one of their fingers. All right. So point one, if you're taking notes, we're going to talk about this. Jesus has given a warning here, a warning about demanding legalistic performance. How many of y'all know legalism never works? Uh-oh. Nobody knows that. Oh, well, I'm here. Let me teach you this morning. Legalism never works works. The only way you're going to make things right in society is if you change the heart. And that's why Jesus is important. He's the only one that can change our hearts. So if your heart doesn't change, you're not going to change anything about you. So just passing laws and doing all these things is not changing a man's heart. That's why Jesus came as the living word, and he came to give himself as a sacrifice because based on God's standards, we were not going to make it. What is God's standard? That's righteousness. That's what that is. It's trying to live by God's standard. Have you ever read the rules in the Old Testament? They're there. They're still important. Don't get me wrong. But here, listen to this, though. If you're, if you're just trying to go by the words in the Old Testament, nothing's changing. So God knew the only way I can change a man is to change their heart. So he sent his son to die. So his blood, through his blood, we could be, listen now, declared righteous. That word declared there is an important word because you're not actually righteous, but because of Jesus's blood, you are declared righteous. So on judgment day, if you've received Christ as your savior, you've asked him into your heart, the blood of Jesus covers all those sins. It works like that sacrifice we saw in the old Testament, all those sacrifices they had to do. And I don't know why I keep going back to this. Maybe somebody online, maybe somebody here, but in the old Testament, they had to sacrifice certain animals for certain sins. The only thing that could cover up, the important word, cover up their sin for another year was an animal's blood. In other words, there was no hope. Jesus comes, God sends his son to die on the cross. His blood now erases your sin. There had to be an ultimate sacrifice. We've talked about this before. The sacrifice couldn't just be God because only man can pay for man's sin. So he had to come 100% God, 100% man, all at the same time. The doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of the essence of Jesus, he was God and man 100% all at the same time because only man can pay for man's sacrifice. So he had to have man in him, but he could not be born of a man because if he had been born of a man, then he would have been born into sin just like us. So he came through a woman without the seed of man. God planted the seed in the, with the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. Now you've got God and you got man. And now there's someone who lived a perfect life who could pay for the sacrifices or pay for our sins through sacrifice. Amen. That sacrifice was his life. And he knew that even here talking to the Pharisees. He knew he was going to have to give his life. Matter of fact, you read over the Gospels. Jesus talked about it was coming. It was coming. He knew the day was coming where he was going to have to die. It clicked later with the disciples. Because if he was coming, what their idea of a Messiah was to come back and take Roman rule back. 
Take us back. Deliver us right here. So a man, a warrior was coming. That was their intent. They thought the Messiah was going to be a warrior. That wasn't God's intent at all. He sent Jesus to teach us the ways of God. You all realize we learn more about the personality of God through Jesus. Before Jesus, we had no clue. God looked like this guy out here just telling us you need to follow these rules, these rules, these rules. Now, it's the same God. I know some of you have read the Old Testament and the New Testament thinking you got two different gods, but it's not. Here's the deal. Jesus showed us in a way that we could understand who God was. And he always pointed back to the Father. So when you pray, you pray to the Father. Teach us how to pray, Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven. So we pray to the Father. When you want something done, Jesus gave us the example. Let's talk about this for just a second. I'm going to give you a little bit of a quick background. It won't be a whole lot because I don't want to go too deep into this, but you need to understand something. A lot of times we look at these religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, and all these in the scriptures as one group. They're not. They're totally different groups with totally different beliefs. And in this case, he's talking about the scribes and the Pharisees. These are two different religious sects. Sex, S-E-C-T-S. Sex. The scribes were the interpretive experts of the Torah. What's the Torah? The first five books in your Bible. That is your Torah. That is the books that a rabbi or someone in training as a Pharisee had to memorize word for word. So they started out with little boys. So even if you go to Jerusalem today, they can quote this word for word from Genesis verse 1, chapter 1 to Deuteronomy, the final chapter, the final verse. They can quote that to you because they memorize the word. But here's the deal. Memorizing the word doesn't save you. It took a sacrifice. However, so these scribes, these are the guys that interpret it. They're the experts of interpreting Torah. The Pharisees are the theological experts. They're the ones that are supposed to be able to interpret God. They're the ones that add all the little extra things in their books and tell you this is what we got to do. And what what really happened is it got out of hand. Later, you look at all the laws they added to the Torah or the Bible, and now they can't. So they're expecting people to live in legalism. So that to get it fixed but here's the deal as Jesus talks about here in verse 3 he says therefore whatever they tell you to observe that observe and do what he's talking about is what they're teaching is not necessarily a bad thing if they're teaching Torah the extra stuff well that's extra stuff but if they're sticking to the word in their positions in authority I guess you could say in society it is important to know how to interpret the Torah And it is important to know how to interpret God. So those things are important. So he says, whatever they tell you to observe, that you need to do. Then he comes back with the second half of the verse. But do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. They're not living up to what they're teaching. They're teaching it, and they can speak it, which is what you should follow as God's law, but they're not living it themselves. So he says, do as they say, not as they do. Y'all ever heard that? Parents, you've used it as an excuse. You don't have to, you don't have to tell me. If you've been a parent at any time and your kid comes up to you and asks you why, your response is either I said so or they caught you doing something you know you shouldn't have been doing either. And you say, well, do as I say, not as I do, right? Make you feel holy at that moment, right? <laughs> Cover yourself up, right? 
the truth be told, you need to be living and doing what you're speaking. Amen? But see, that's just part of being human, so don't beat yourself up over it. And he talks about the burdens they had to bear. They read the law, but offer no practical help to carry it out. In other words, they would read the law, but they didn't offer people anything practical. How can you live this out? They just expected you to live it out. But by the time these Pharisees got a hold of all the rules and regulations and things they live by, if they would have took one out, it would have caused the whole thing to collapse. So they had to continue living like they were living. Jesus says, what you're saying you should do should be the same. You don't demand legalism and expect something to turn out right. Speak God's word and only his word to the people. Verse 5. Let's pick up here. But all their works they do to be seen by men. This is an important one. I've seen this in churches today. Surprise, surprise. Amen. Devin and I were talking about this on the way to church. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. I'm going to explain that to you in a minute. Or phylacteries, sorry. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and are called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Have any of you ever been in a church where title was everything? Now, we don't practice that here. Me and Brett Devin have talked about that many times. We use the titles not to lift ourselves up, but just so people know who we're talking to, right? It's not that we feel like we're better than you because when Jesus, he's going to talk about it in a minute, we're all on equal ground. He's the only teacher. He's the only one we listen to. The Father's the only one we point to. Any pastor, it doesn't matter who it is, they are still a man. But I've been in churches where that title was so important and even my pastor has talked about them like an entourage. They come in with their group, making sure everybody notices they're important. This is what we have to avoid. That's why we don't like titles. We use titles just so you know who the leaders are in the church. Amen? So check it out. Here we go. Um, so let's talk about it for a minute. So here's the two things he criticizes here in these verses. He criticizes the wearing of religious garments. Now, let me explain to you what these religious garments he's referring to are. Now, one of them has a couple of interpretations, but the phylacterics, y'all, have you ever heard of those? They, They wear them on their head. Actually, there's two different kinds. There's one that's about an inch square. They wear it right in the center of their forehead. What's in that box? Four verses. And basically what those verses say, if you look them up and I'll give them to you, you can write them down if you want. Exodus 13, 9, Exodus 13, 16, Deuteronomy 6, 8, Deuteronomy eleven eighteen, And what that's talking about is wearing these things on your forehead. But God, they made it literal. So what do they do? They wore this little leather box, is what it is, on their head with four those four scriptures in it. And that was for just to show people I'm holy, right? Now, then they also had one that went on their left arm. The world one on their left arm. It's about a third of an inch wide, little bitty one. And what's in the third of an inch one? Because see, in the big one, there's four compartments with each of those verses in each compartment. In the one on the arm, there's actually all of those verses in one little scroll on the tiny one on their arm, on their left arm, specifically the left arm. 
The other thing he talks about is enlarging the borders of their garments. The thing he's referring to here could be the tassels, and some interpret that as tassels, which they made them extra long. It was made of like a blue thread. And what that was doing was showing out of Numbers 15, 37 to 42, they're each on of the corners of their prayer shawls and what they're wearing. And then December 20, or December Deuteronomy, I wrote it D-E, and then it's really tiny, so I'm trying to read my own handwriting. Deuteronomy 22.12. Those are the scriptures on those tassels. But also, it said they could have been referring to the edges of that garment when you look at that interpretation. The wider they are, the more for show it was. So, So these are the garments he's referring to here when he's talking about their garments and he's talking about their phylacteries, which is right here on their forehead or arm. They love the best places. Here's the deal. You can always tell someone who's after the title. You can always tell. The ones that are after the title do exactly what he talks about right here. They like the best places at their feasts. Hmm? The best seats in the synagogues. See, we don't, we're never going to do this. And I'm not knocking anybody or anything, but I don't actually agree with things on the platform where you got the chairs. But if you do that, whatever. You, you deal with what God tells you to do. But I feel like we're trying to lift ourselves up too much when we're sitting up here on a platform. It's not about us. I don't care if you're a pastor, a bishop, an apostle. I don't care who you are. You never exalt yourself above God just so man can see it which was their problem here in the text. I have seen this in today's society. This is not something that's only old. I've been in churches where this stuff is happening. You didn't call them pastor, they'll correct you right on the spot. I'm pastor. Or if you call them pastor, they correct I'm a bishop. I've been in the churches. Or, or you call them a bishop, oh no, I'm apostle. It's not about titles. Too many people are using the titles for the same things the Pharisees are doing right here. It is never about titles. And God told me to preach on this today. And I'm glad we found it in the scriptures. Because me and Devin have talked often, because we ride together, I bring, him, I bring him to church. We've talked often about not liking titles. That's why when I introduce myself to new people, I don't say I'm Pastor Trenton. I just say I'm Trenton. They don't know me. Title don't mean anything. You don't know me, right? Title don't mean anything to me anyway. But if you're wanting to know who is leading this church, that's why we use titles. Pastor. All right, let's just, so I'm not knocking your church if you do these things, but what I'm seeing is you need to exercise that type of stuff with caution. Because if you're elevating yourself above God, that's what they were doing. That's religion. That's legalism. That's I'm better than you. You're underneath me. How many of y'all would have liked me this morning if I started out with that? You all are below me. I have all the answers. This is what the Pharisees are doing. Why do they wear these things? To show people who they are. Why do they widen their garments or lengthen their tassels? To show you who they are. It's all about show. It cannot be about show. So if your church practices that, let me clarify, fine, whatever God has told you to do, but be cautious when it comes to titles because they don't mean squat to God. As Jesus is trying to teach these guys here, 
They like the best places. They like the best seats. They like the greetings of rabbi, rabbi in the marketplaces. They like these things. That's a human desire, a natural desire. That's called pride. It leads to pride. When you go after title, you're after pride. It's about me. It's never about you. It's about God. Can I get an amen? Y'all look asleep. Either you're mad at me or you're sleeping on me. Can I get an amen? It's never about you. It's always about God. Look at your neighbor say, it's not about you. Look at your other neighbor say, it's not about you. Now point to yourself and say, it's not about me. It's about God. So if God's telling you to do that, fine. Just be cautious and don't let it lead to pride. Amen. Let's read on verse 8. So the second point, you know, just don't display yourself in public. Don't, the, the problem they had was he, Jesus has given them a warning about putting their, who they are on public and making people aware of who I am. All right. Y'all have had those moments, and you know, I ain't even talking about being pastors. Y'all ever been on the job? Come on. Somebody that just started comes up to you, and they don't address you in the appropriate manner. And you flip out. Come on. Before you were saved. Come on. Before you were saved, it was about rapport. It was about reputation. It was about title. It was about who am I? And God says, it's not about you. We're going to find that here in a minute when Jesus wraps up. We're going to stop in verse 12 today. But read verse 8 with me. But you do not be called rabbi. For one, capital O, is your teacher, capital T. He's referring to himself. And even says it here, the Christ. He's the teacher. You're all brethren. Now, why is he saying these things? Because if you read about the disciples, they're men like you and me. They were always arguing about who had the highest stature. Come on. He had to correct them at the, uh, was it the Last Supper. Am I thinking right? He came in and washed their feet. They're in there arguing about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven, right? Jesus walks in as a servant, washes their feet, giving them an example of humility. For you're all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father. There's only one who is the father. He who is in heaven. This is why you need to be cautious. Now, it's not referring to if your kids call you father. I don't hear that much anymore. I usually get daddy or dad or something like that. That's not what this is talking about. It's referring to title. Again, he's going back into this. You can't build yourself on a reputation that's not really there to begin with. And do not be called teachers, for there's one that is your teacher, the Christ. So instead of arguing, why can't we do this in churches? Instead of arguing about who's the greatest, whose church has got the most people, the most members, instead of arguing about that, why don't we all get together and try to work on what the kingdom of God is really about, which is saving souls? Do you realize if you could get the Christian church to unify the movement that would be created, the world that would be changed? That's why they created that thing called denominations years ago, a.k.a. the word means division. Do some research. Divided over little piddly things. The, the original church didn't do that. They came together as one, and they pushed forward the kingdom. That's why they saw results. We're too busy fighting over churches and who's who and who's what. We can't be doing that. If we're seeking God, which is what we tried to get it to happen here this morning in worship. You've got to seek his face. Don't seek me. Don't seek any of the other leaders in this church. Seek his face. 
He's the only one with the answers. I don't have them all. I'm still learning, just like you. And I'm not afraid to tell you that. There's some pastors that would avoid that topic, but I'm not. I'm still learning. Pastor Brett talks about it all the time. He's still learning. Dave, he's still learning, right? We're still studying. We're still learning right alongside of you. So watch those titles. It gets back to that title thing. Watch who you're calling rabbi, father, teacher. There's only one, and it's God. We should all be wrapped around. If we could all wrap ourselves around the one who actually is the teacher, which is Christ, we could maybe make a difference in this world. Now, getting people to agree on that is like trying to herd cats. Y'all ever tried that? Anybody ever been to it? And I'm just, I was raised Southern Baptist, so I'm just going to lay it out there, right? You ever been to a Baptist board or meeting, business meeting? Not even just Baptist. I just can speak because I've been to those. You ever been to a Baptist board meeting and all they do is argue about the color of the carpet? Literally, I'm not telling you that as an example. I saw them, and we spent an entire hour and a half in a meeting that I didn't even want to be at anyway, arguing about the color of the carpet downstairs in the basement. They wanted to redo the carpet, but they couldn't agree on a color. Really? So rip it all out and have a concrete floor, amen? Come on, some of y'all ain't there yet. Come on. It's fine to make things look nice, but if we're spending all our time arguing over these types of things, we're not pushing the kingdom of God. And people see that stuff. Ask anybody out here in this world, probably, you could just find one randomly on the street, don't know anything about God even, and they could tell you, they'll probably tell you, one, they'll either answer you in two ways. The church is a bunch of hypocrites, right? You ever heard that one? <clears throat> That's their famous one. They like to use that the most. But, uh, but they'll also tell you that the church can't even get along. Why would they want something they got? Now, it's not all churches. Don't get me wrong. There are churches that are doing what they need to be doing. It's not all churches. I'm not here to beat up churches, but you guys need to understand it's not about organized religion. It's about a relationship with God. At the end of the day, if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you're not going to make it. You can go to church every time the doors are open, go to every meeting we have. You can go to every outreach event we have, every event we put on. doesn't matter. If you don't got Jesus, you're not going to make it. Judgment day is going to come and God's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. You know the crazy thing? And you can always, and I'm just going to throw out a guess here. The the people that Jesus was referring to when he's talking about, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not, uh, not done all these mighty works in your name? Now I'm paraphrasing. Have we not done this? And he's going to look him right at him and he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I think those are going to be the people that's after titles. I'm the only one. It's cool. Amen. Now, I'm just throwing that out there. Think about it. If you're more about a title than getting God's word out there, if you're more about people doing the little things you should be doing as a leader... Pick up that trash for me. I can't put myself to that level, right? They don't say that, but that's what they put off. Yeah, can you, yeah. No. When Jesus came, who'd he go to? He didn't go to the religious leaders. Who's the first person he went to? He went to some fishermen. 
He went to prostitutes. He went to tax collectors. He went to all the people that weren't getting it because the church was too busy arguing over religious tradition. Lord, forgive us. Praise God. So he warns you about exploiting titles. It's not about titles. They're in verse 8 to 10. He goes back to that. All right. Last verses. We're going to read 11 and 12 here. We're going to get ready to wrap up. But he who is the greatest among you shall be your, what's that word? Servant. That's the New King James I'm reading. Some of you may have a different word for that, but servant in the New King James here. He who is the greatest among you shall be your servant. And this happens all the time. People come up to me. What can I do? What can I do in this? Well, we could, you know, you give them a job like a little odd job. Well, you can greet people at the door if you want. No, no, I don't do that. They want the platform without the servanthood. It's not just one person. It's happened years I've heard that. Before I even launched this, what can I do? We can clean the toilets if you want. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, what can I do up there on the platform? Can I pray for everybody? That's a Pharisee spirit. Whatever that spirit is, that was on the Pharisees. Too good for that stuff. You got to start on bottom as a servant before you're working your way to the top. Because guess what? If you're the person that rejects is a simple job, fill up the coffee containers in the back, please. Can we do that? If you're rejecting stuff like that, you're not going to make it right now, at least where you're at in your life, in leadership. Because a true leader, and I know this society has a different message going. It's all about you. Look out for number one. And your leader, it's about my title. I can hold this over. You all have had managers like that. I know. It's all about them, and they want you to make sure you acknowledge. That's not what Jesus teaches us to do as the church. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Serve. Vacuum the floor. Dust the equipment. We're having a cleaning day coming up. Was it the 23rd? February 23rd? After church, right after church. We're going to clean the church. We're going to clean both buildings. We got two of them over there. We're going to clean. Show up for that day. You want to be serving in God's kingdom? You start there. That's where it starts. And it's a college attitude, too. I'm not just talking to youth and adults that are here. They get out of college. They think they got the degree now, so they deserve to go right to the top. <laughs> no, not how it works. Not in a good business anyway. You got to learn the ropes first. How do you know what's going on? No, I'm just using a factory as an example. How do you know what's going on on the work line if you've never been there? It's easy to sit in the office and, you know, critique and criticize everything going on out there, but you've never stepped out there because you, you're throwing out all these changes you want to see made. Not even knowing if they're going to work. The people are telling you they're not going to work, but you've never been on the line to know if they're going to work or not. You just said it sounds good on paper. That's the attitude of the society. Jesus says, you want to be the greatest? Be a servant. Verse 12, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Important. Whoever, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What can I do to be a good leader? Practice humility. Straighten the chairs. Little things. Little things. Too many people want the platform. That's exactly what the 
Pharisees wanted. The platform. All right. So he introduces here a new type of leadership, and we're getting ready to wrap up. He offers a different model, that of a servant. Jesus, being God, could have said, nah, I ain't messing with these people, God. They're getting on my nerves, and went right back to heaven. He didn't. Instead, what did he do? The disciples are arguing about rapport. He comes in with a towel wrapped around his waist. This is a perfect story for that. The bucket. This was only reserved for the lowliest of lowly servants. They weren't highly respected. They were the lowly people. Because do you realize what's on people's feet? Not all of them had shoes. Okay, I'm going to give you all a picture. Y'all ready? Because some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Few of them might have had sandals, but do you realize that they're walking on the same road as the horses and the donkeys and whatever other livestock may be going through, carrying caravans. Do you realize what that means? Some of y'all haven't put it together yet. Let me help you out. Some of you have. You got it. The stuff they're walking to isn't just dirt. They're walking through, sorry. Isn't just dirt. But that's why that job was reserved for the lowliest servant. Jesus comes in, being God in the flesh, bends down, and as they're arguing, Washes their feet. Can you imagine the elephant in the room at that point? The awkwardness of the moment. When God himself, I've been sitting here arguing with Pete and the other disciples about who's the greatest. Here comes God and he starts washing my feet. I'll bet the room got quiet. I don't know. It's not here, but I'll bet it did. What are you doing? Remember Pete's response? No, 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 never. You don't wash my feet. What did Jesus say? Well, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have any part with me in the kingdom. Oh, well, go ahead and give me a bath then. Remember, he's like, go ahead, to not just my feet, but everything. Lord, Jesus like, no, it just needs to be your feet. Right? Getting the wrong idea, Pete. I love Pete. Y'all know why I love Pete? Because I can relate to Pete. Any of y'all ever had those open mouth, insert foot moments? Pete had a lot of those. That's why I can relate to Pete. I've had a lot of those in my own life. You say it and you're like, ooh, shouldn't have said it like that, right? That's Pete. All right, Peter, for those of you that need the official, some of y'all don't like me calling him Pete. He's my brother, so I can call him what I want, right? No, I'm just kidding. Pete, remember Jesus said we're all equal, so that means you're equal with Peter, John, Thomas, all the original apostles. It's you. One teacher, him. So Peter had a lot of those moments. Who do you say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Well, you are the son of God. Only to turn right around and get rebuked. Y'all remember that? I don't remember all the exact words at this moment. But he turned, he turned right around. And, and I think it was Jesus talking about his death. Am I right? And he's like, you know, I don't remember his exact words. I don't have it in front of him. Never, no, no, never. And what did Jesus say to Pete? Get thee behind me, Satan. Whoa. You do that in this society, you might just get sued. Amen? Jesus didn't care, right? You shouldn't either. Speak truth. That's it. But Pete, that, that had to be an awkward moment, right? He just got done praising you to turn around and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, he wasn't talking directly to Pete. He was talking about the spirit that was operating and what he was saying. Can you imagine that? All right. 
The ideal servant lived to care for, protect, and make better the lives of those over him or her. So they were there to preserve. But also in God's kingdom is about the benefit of others, not ourselves. We must be willing to give ourselves for the benefit of others. You want to be a leader in God's church? Be willing to give up your reputation for the goodness of others. Well, then they might make fun of me, Pastor. Do you realize they killed Jesus for what he said? Then you think Jesus is worried about you being made fun of at school or at work or out in public? I died for you. I can see somebody, and just in my mind, picture somebody going before the throne, and eh, God, they made fun of me, and I can hear just God's response was, they killed me, Jesus, right? And killed me? You thought it was bad because they made fun of you? Really? Make you feel kind of sheepish at that moment, amen? Jesus is the key here. Jesus paid it all, Amen. If you're tuning with us online, I want to go ahead and dismiss you this morning. If you are one that needs prayer, we're going to do that in just a minute. I'm just waiting on this to connect. So uh, thank you so much for joining with us online this morning. Um, If you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that is where your journey starts. You simply ask. You say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And it, the good news is it doesn't take all those words. You got to repent. That's the key. Repentance. Jesus says, repent. They're asking, what do we do? Or not Jesus, I'm sorry, Peter. Repent. What do we do? Repent. We repent. That's it. You do it in your way. Because the Bible says in James, if you believe he rose from the dead, you shall be saved. Revelation 3, 5, he who overcomes shall be like them clothed in white, and I shall never erase his name from the book of life, but proclaim his name before my Father and his angels. Salvation. There's nothing you can do to make the difference. That's why I love that song we sung the last one. I got nothing left. All I got is a hallelujah. I got nothing else to give you, God. I can sing but a song's going to end. All I can say is hallelujah. It's really all I can do. Thank you so much for joining with us online. If you said that prayer, you made it from the bottom of your heart, your next step is you need to be baptized. Too many churches aren't talking about that. You need to be baptized following in Jesus' footstep. You need to find you a good church home where you can be discipled, taught, trained in the ways of God so that we can begin to walk this thing out and you can reach another level in God. Thank you so much for joining with us online this morning. God bless. We'll see you next time.